Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're going to be reading from John 10, 27 through 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is the word of the Lord. I cannot tell you what a privilege it has been to be here the last 30 minutes. Wow. Um, I know you can't tell because I look like I'm still in my 20s, but I'm 45. I just had this thought. Uh, yeah, people get that old. I know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Um, but I just had this thought that um, it tends to be that it's the older people that lead the younger people. And I just thought, man, what a privilege that I just got to be led by young adults. It's incredible. I mean, our God is, is mind-blowing. He really is. If we've never met, my name is Brady. Uh, I get to be one of the pastors here at Mosaic Church, and I like to introduce myself as an imperfect follower of Jesus, because uh, that is so true. And I need, to, I need to be reminded personally that that is the most important thing about me. But I also want to remind others, especially as we throw out titles like pastor, uh, because that carries a lot of baggage with people. And, and although I, I get to play that role of pastor, I'm also just an idiot. And on my best day, I am stumbling towards Jesus. And I think that I don't know, it makes it safe, because I'm guessing you feel pretty similar. Uh, I, was thinking, I was thinking this, uh, this afternoon uh, about voices in my head. Uh, and I don't know if you ever feel like you have voices in your head, um, but, but I have loads of voices in my head. Every time I ask someone if, uh, like if I'm up and I say, would you like something to drink? And they respond, no, I'm good. I hear my grandfather's voice in my head and he says, I know you're good boy, but do you want something to drink? He would say that every time. And my dad, my granddad, he's been, uh, he he passed away 25 years ago and I still, and I can hear the timbres. It was like, like it's powerful. It's still there. Every time, would you like something to drink? No, I'm good. Play, just automatic. Um, Sometimes I hear, uh, I, was, I was in the sixth grade and uh, an adult in my life who was uh, like a mentor, uh, meant a lot to me, said, you're not funny, quit trying to be funny. And that shaped me, shaped me very powerfully. Um, I had a girlfriend in college say, uh, you're so needy. Quit being so needy. And man, shaped me. And, and, and that's just, just the tip of the iceberg of, of the voices that I have in my head. One time my dad told me he believed in me. It's huge. 
It's huge. It's amazing what a phrase can do and how it can stick with you. I'm guessing that you have the voice of your parents in your head. You have the voice of friends in your head, teachers, coaches in your head. And at times you hear it and it comes up and it shapes you. And some of those voices are life-giving, right? They breathe life into you. They inspire courage in you. And some of them, I bet, are really hard. Some of you hear when you look in the mirror. Some of them you hear, man, when you're driving. Some of you hear, you hear it when you're taking a test. You hear it all the time. And it's so powerful. I mean, we have so many voices in our head. And I was thinking about that passage that we just read and some others. Here's one that's just before that. It's, it's you know, about 20 verses before that. It's in John chapter 10. Verse two, it says, he who enters by the door, this is Jesus talking. Like if you had your Bible and it was a red letter edition, this would be in red. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep, what does it say? The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And we has brought uh, out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Now, I mean, just, just stop for one second and think about the gravity of what was just said, what Jesus said. He's talking about himself. He said his sheep, what his voice? Hear it. He's talking about his followers, his adopted brothers and sisters, his family members. He said his sheep, his followers, hear his voice. Of all the voices that I can hear in my head, I mean, can you imagine that you might be able to hear the voice of Jesus? I mean, that's pretty powerful the voice of Jesus himself. And not just hear it, but then also some of you said it just a second ago, know it, recognize it. Just think for a second, God is speaking to you. You can hear it and you can recognize it. That's powerful right there. The God who spoke creation into existence, the God who is infinitely wise, the God who loves us so much that he chose to put on flesh, take all of our sin upon himself and die a torturous death so that we could be invited into his family. That God is speaking and you can hear him. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And, and for me, and maybe this is normal for you. I mean, maybe you've thought about this for a while. Maybe you're really familiar with this. This is natural and normal for you. This is becoming just a part of your verbiage, a part of your life, a part of your worldview. But for me, this is radical. This is not the way that I grew up. I didn't grow up listening, like, like actually trying to listen to God, believing he was speaking to me personally, Brady. First of all, if you heard some of the voices in my head, I, why in the world would he? I mean, for real, me. 
Someone who's felt rejected and outcast so often, unchosen so often, overlooked so often. Why, in, why would he speak to me? I have no idea. But he says he does. My sheep know my voice and they hear it. They recognize it. Have you ever had um, a really close friend and you knew them really, really well. And then one day they were having an off day and you said, man, you're not really being yourself. Is something up? Because you, you could tell. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe you had a really close friend and they weren't around and another person came up to you and quoted them to you. They said, oh, so-and-so said this. But what they said, it just, you're like, no. They didn't say that. And like, how do you know? You weren't there. I know him. I know him. I know her. Can, can you imagine a scenario like that? You've seen that? Because you know that person so well, you know what their voice sounds like. I'm guessing there is some level of this going on in what Jesus is saying. Is that my sheep, they recognize my voice. It's actually really cool what happens. Uh, I had a, a friend who went to the Middle East and, and lived amongst um, people who raised sheep. And, and he was out with them. And, and, and what happened is that these, all these uh, shepherds came and they gathered for lunch together. And when they gathered, they all had different flocks. Their flocks just kind of came together and intermingled. And he's thinking, oh no. Because I mean, I don't know if you ever looked at sheep, but I mean, no offense. I mean, it's not like sheepish, but they, they all like, they look the same, right? I mean, it's like, they, it's just like, and you're thinking like, what? What are you going to do? And, and he said, the, the strangest thing happened. He said, one guy got finished with his meal, started walking off and called to his sheep. And they started like to segregate into their groups. I mean, like he thought it was a magic trick. He couldn't believe it. But you're, Jesus is talking to a group of people. They, they understand this. They get this, right? They all, either they are shepherds, they know shepherds. Right? They got a buddy who's a shepherd. They got a cousin who's a shepherd. So they know that this is a thing. And, and he's saying, in the same way we, a bunch of people together, Jesus will call and his sheep will know his voice. I mean, that's, that is pretty powerful. What does it sound like? John 10, 10 and 27. So this is just a little bit further. I'm just going to read in context. 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that may have life and have it abundantly. And then later he, he couches this again with my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So, so this is the case, right? Wait, his sheep know his voice, that Jesus is speaking. John 10, 10 says that Jesus's voice will lead us to a certain space. What, what, what is that? To, what will it lead us to? Abundant life. How's that? Anybody want some of that? So, so Jesus, Paul, and the other writers of Scripture describe the abundant life in a number of different ways. Je Jesus talks about how we can have rest that is like soul-level rest. Paul talks about how we can have peace that we can't even uh, understand. He talks about how we can have joy that we couldn't even express. Like we could feel this joy that is to such a degree that if you ask me to tell you about it, I'd be like, I... can't even express it, right? 
Peace that I can't even understand. Hope that abounds. Contentment that is so powerful that no circumstance could shake it. I want some of that abundant life. My sheep know my voice. They hear my voice, they know it, and they know that it leads to life abundant. This sounds pretty great. So what does that look like? What does it sound like? How do I hear the voice of Jesus? And how do I know what it sounds like? Well, it's not necessarily the same way you might hear human voices all the time. Uh, there's a space in Numbers chapter 12 where, where God is, uh, uh, the, the story behind this is, it, it's great. You should read it sometime. But, but God says this in Numbers chapter 12, verse six. It says, he says, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision or I might speak with him in a dream. So sometimes God's voice is like a vision. Right? You get a picture, you get an image, or maybe it's like a dream. Right? You go to sleep and you have a dream. And sometimes that is how God speaks to people. And you see this all throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. You have Daniel that had dreams. You have these kings that have dreams that, that uh, Joseph and Daniel interpret for them. So sometimes God speaks through dreams and sometimes he speaks through like these waking visions. And he says, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. So God speaks in visions. He speaks in dreams, but he also speaks in language, right? He actually opens his mouth and you hear. This is powerful. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. And I think oftentimes, there are things that get in the way of us hearing the voice of God. There's a story about a guy named Elijah. He's this prophet and he did all kinds of incredible miracles. Uh, and he's just getting off uh, what I would have thought is the greatest day in the history of ministry, apart from probably Jesus. So, so we had this showdown with all of these prophets of this uh, false god, Baal, and, and he just torched them. I mean, he just, just this competition happened and he totally won. I mean, obviously by the grace of God, but like, so it was such a big deal. And then he had a race with a horse and he won. It's in there. He beat a horse in a foot race. It's a big deal. So you're thinking, okay, this guy, like life's good, right? He just had the, his greatest success in ministry. He had three years earlier, he had said, hey, no rain for three years and no rain. And then he said, oh, rain now. And it rained. And then he defeated all these prophets and he beat the, the horse in a race. And then here's what happens. Um, it says, first Kings verse, uh, chapter 19, verse four. But he himself, Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I'm no better than my father's. Woo, that took a turn. You expect that? I mean, I didn't expect that. What? So obviously he's exhausted and there's some like deep depression that's been stirring in his heart and his mind and he's just done. He can't take it anymore. Even though on the outside, it seemed like everything was going pretty good. And here's what happened. And he lay down, he slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mount of God. So I love that when he's exhausted, the first thing God does is just let him sleep. He says, man, take a nap. And then second thing he does is he feeds him. He doesn't give him any advice. He didn't say, how, how dare you? See all that I just did for you? What's going on? Are you kidding me? First thing, he just takes care of his physical needs. And you begin to get a, a sense of what God's like. How, how gentle, how kind. So he ate, slept, ate, slept. And then he goes on a 40 day journey through the wilderness to this mountain. He spends 40 days alone. Well, just think for a second, what's the longest you've ever spent alone in solitude? Like nobody else with you, just you. 40 days, that's a long time. I don't know uh, calendar math very well. That's a lot of weeks. One of you probably knows just off the top of your head, but I don't know if it's not in tens, I can't do it. That's a long time. Four weeks, is that what it is? 40 days, four weeks? I'm gonna guess a little more than that, but let's go on. Verse 11, and God said, so he gets to the mountain and then God speaks. He says this, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Ah, but the Lord was not in the wind. That's some wind. And we're talking like hurricane force winds. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. It could also be translated the sound of utter silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah's here at the mountain. He's gone this journey and God says, okay, I, I wanna talk to you. Go stand before me. And then this great, incredibly gigantic wind that is like of supernatural force happens and Elijah knows, eh, it wasn't God. I would have thought that's God. I mean, it seems godlike, right? A, a super powerful wind. But Elijah knew that wasn't God. And then an earthquake. I mean, coincidence that God just said, I'm about to show up. And then this wind and the earthquake, I'd probably think that was God too. And then a, a, a fire. And, and he wasn't in the fire. Now, what's interesting is God has shown up in the Old Testament before this in, in, in wind and fire before. So there's precedent to think that that's God. And yet Elijah knew that wasn't him until he heard the sound of a low whisper. Think about being alone for 40 days. How that might shape your ability to hear God's whisper. Anybody feel like their head is loud? Anybody feel like your life is loud? 
that there's all kind of things clamoring for your attention all the time? I wonder how easy it would be for us to recognize the low whisper amongst all of the noise. I mean, it's pretty difficult. I think there's something to that 40-day journey of solitude that set Elijah up to recognize the quietness of God's voice. That so many people, myself included, often miss because our world is so loud. Our life is so loud. Our heads are so loud. We have so many voices in our head. Which one's Jesus's? Just take a second and think, well, what are some ways that you make your environment louder? Just think about it. Scroll through your brain. What are some ways that you make your life more noisy, your head more noisy? And then think like, what are some ways that I could quiet it? I mean, if I want to hear that type of sound, if I want to hear the voice of the Lord, is it worth it to hear Jesus's voice? In John 16, 8, Jesus says this. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So Jesus has just said, it's better that I go away, which should be the most shocking thing you've ever heard in your entire life. I guarantee it was the most shocking thing the disciples ever heard. Because, I mean, just imagine, you've been with Jesus for three years, right? You've seen him do some seriously incredible things. He says, hey, why don't you throw your, your nets out on the other side of the boat? And you're like, you know, I'm a professional fisherman. First of all, don't tell me how to do my job. You don't know my life. Second of all, we, we just, we fished all night. There are no fish in this lake. No, the other side of the boat though. The boat is three feet wide. If I had it on this side, it's basically on that side. And then all of a sudden there's so many fish in the net that it starts to break. That's pretty amazing. A leper comes up to him, he touches him and he's healed. There's a demon possessed man running after them. He's just been breaking off all of his chains like nobody can restrain him and you're terrified. And Jesus just says, hey, why don't you, why don't you leave him? Go into some pigs. And then he's just sitting right there in front of you in his right mind. Like you've seen this, you were there, you experienced it. You were on the lake and everything got crazy, right? The wind came up, the waves came up. You're terrified, you think you're about to die. You wake up Jesus because he's taking a nap and he just says, oh, peace, be still. And just, and you grew up on this lake. You've seen people drown in those kind of storms. And now this, this guy, says, oh, hold up, it's better that I go. I think about the time, the moment of, of time when, when um, Michael Jordan, after winning three championships, came in to his team and had a meeting and said, hey guys, I'm about to do a press conference where I tell them I'm retiring. I, I, I wish I could see the looks on the, on the faces of his teammates when he said that. 
And then imagine him saying, oh, no, no, but it's better that I go. And they would have said, no, it's not. Are you kidding me? You're the greatest player ever. What do you mean it's better that you go? Get in that room with Jesus and disciples. It's better that I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to do some things. He's going to speak in some pretty powerful ways. And one thing he's going to do, he's going to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to lead you into all truth. There's things that Jesus wanted to say that his disciples couldn't handle, but the spirit whom he's going to send, his own spirit, is going to speak those things. That's pretty cool. A couple chapters earlier, he's talking about the spirit and what he's going to do. Verse 25, chapter 14, these things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. How many things? All things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus said a lot of things. If you just kind of flip through and you see everything that's in red, that's a lot. And he said, the spirit is going to come, my spirit, the spirit of truth, the helper. He's going to remind you of all the things that I said. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right? You're, beginning, you're beginning to get a picture of what are the things that God says as he speaks to us today. We speak conviction. And to be real clear, conviction is very different from shame. Shame makes you feel embarrassed. It makes you want to look away. You don't want to look in the person's face. That's not God. That's the enemy. Conviction is that thing that like, when it's said, you know it's true. And it's like a good hurt. It's like, oh, mm, yeah. Oh, kind of wish you hadn't said that, but oh, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Mm, ouch. Okay. Okay. I hear you. Like that's conviction, right? When you hear shame, that's, that's the enemy. That's not, that's not Jesus. Another thing that I thought was really interesting as I was thinking about God's voice and what it sounds like and how we can recognize his voice is that God asks a whole lot of questions in scripture. So here's a list of some questions that God asks. I mean, this is, he has so many more, but in the Old Testament, he asks, where are you? Do you know who he asked that to? Adam and Eve, where are you? Uh, where's your brother? Who do you ask that to? Cain, yes. Where are you going? Yes, Hagar, totally. What is your name? What is your name? Who do, you, who, do you, who do you say, what is your name to? Who? Jacob, yes. Which is a really interesting thing because Jacob's name means deceiver. And he's having a big moment at that, that time. What is that in your hand? Who do you ask that to? Moses, yes, totally. Uh, what are you doing here? Who, who do you ask that to? We just read it. Elijah, yes. Uh, whom shall I send? Isaiah, yeah. Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah. 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 Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job. Now, now, have you ever just stopped to think about God asking questions? God who is how knowing? All knowing. Asking questions. It's interesting. Let's, let's look at Jesus, right? 
Jesus is the second person of the Trinity and you find it because he also asks questions, right? You know, I mean, if you don't know it any other way, you know it because he asks questions, just like God. Jesus asks, guy, what do you want? He asks, do you believe? He asks, do you want to get well? He asks, who touched me? Who do you say that I am? Why do you call me good? Do you want to go away as well? What things? This, this is one of my favorites, right? This is when he's, uh, he's just risen from the grave. Uh, he's on a seven mile a walk, which is what you do after you just rise from the grave and you've been crucified, right? It's the next thing you do. It's like, I'm going to Disney World. No, I'm going on a seven mile walk to Emmaus. And that's what he did. And he's got with these two other disciples and they're like, they're, they're talking about all that just went down and it was just epic what just went down and it was all about Jesus. And they're like, don't you know about Jesus of Nazareth and all the things that happened? And he's like, what things? as if I didn't just already live them. Like, I love it. Like, I mean, I mean, just, but think about that. Like, why did he ask that question? Do you think I came to peace? Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? If I told you earthly things, you'd not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I love the questions that God asks because Jesus is way more interested in transformation than effective transfer of information. Because questions, they get down into your heart. God already knows the answers. He doesn't need us to inform him of these things, but he asks us questions because questions get us to get in here and allow him that space to do that work. He's not super interested in giving us all the answers. What he wants is to draw us near to himself and make us look more like him. And so what you'll find as you begin to listen to the voice of God, sometimes God will ask you questions and they're the good questions. And sometimes they hurt a little bit, but they hurt in a good way. They're convicting questions. They're calling you out of sinful patterns, uh, patterns that are leading you out of life, that are draining life from you and inviting you into what is better. So what do you do when you, when, when you hear something? I hear things all the time, right? I hear different voices, my grandpa, my dad, other people. How, how do I know? Scripture talks about testing the spirits. Like how do you know if it's Jesus's voice. Let's say you hear something and you want to know, is it Jesus's voice? I think, what's the, what's the first thing you could test it against? The Bible, scripture. Yeah, totally. Here's, here's something profound. God will never contradict God. Never. So if you learn what Jesus said in the scriptures, Anything you hear that is his voice will sound a lot like Jesus. It's going to be that deal that as you get to know him, like you get to know your friends, you can recognize, no, my buddy didn't say that. She didn't say that. No, -uh. she would never say something like that. He would never say something like that. You get to know him and you know what his voice sounds like. So if you have a voice in your head that's like, oh, you should really look at that pornography. Just going to let you know that's not Jesus's voice. I know that because Jesus said, actually, it's not just about adultery out there in your body. It's about lust in here in your heart. And that's bringing death about in your life. And I don't want that for you. So I know that, that that's not Jesus. If you hear a voice that says, yeah, you should really stew on that bitterness in your heart. Yeah, you probably shouldn't forgive that person. 
What they did, it was so bad, you probably shouldn't forgive them. That didn't, does it sound like Jesus? That doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? Right? So scripture, getting no scripture is learning the language of God. Look at, look to your community. That's a second level. Look to scripture. Secondly, look to your community, right? As we exist in the biblical community, I have some amount of knowledge about the scriptures, but you might have some different knowledge about the scripture and you might have some different knowledge about scripture and together, right? We can much better discern what sounds like the voice of God and what does not. And not just us together here now, but our wider community, not just our wider community now, but throughout the history of the church, right? The church has listened to God's voice for 2000 years. And so we can test it against what the church has recognized about the voice of God. And lastly, and this is in line with scripture, but it's get to know the character of God. Get to know his character. Um, there's a scholar uh, that talks about God's name. Anybody know what, what, what God's name is that he gave to his people? Yahweh. But I love what this scholar says. He says, that's his first name. In another place, God gives his full name. And it is in Exodus 34, six and seven. These are the most requoted verses in all of the Old Testament. And God says to Moses, I'm gonna tell my name to you as I pass before you. And it says this in verse six of Exodus 34, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, that's Yahweh, Yahweh. So it says his first name twice, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will know, by no means clear the guilty. That God is just, but he's also merciful and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. So if you wanna know what God's voice sounds like, it sounds like what might come from someone like that, who names themselves Yahweh, Yahweh, I am, I am, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will no means clear the guilty. I mean, it's incredible. This is the voice of God who is speaking to his sheep and we can hear it and recognize it. And it does powerful things. I uh, had a, a visit from one of our elders, uh, Bill Carlton, uh, and he's a prayer warrior and he, is, he has spent uh, years. And I, I mean, I, I don't tell him I said this, but he's older than 45. He's spent, he's spent like longer than me praying and listening and hearing the voice of God. And I says, Bill, what, what's some advice you would have? And he said these 10 things. He said, be aware of what you personally tend to want to hear. How many of you here have things you would like to hear? Like you have your own desires, your own agenda, right? Me too. He says, just be aware of that because oftentimes we like to color things in towards what we want to hear. So just be aware. What do I tend to want to hear? That doesn't mean God's not going to tell you what you want to hear, but you need to be careful. That's when you really need to bring it to community and scripture and, and hold it up against character of God. Two, he said, ask, uh, ask God to get you and your flesh out of the way of what he wants to say. Ask God, God, 
would you get my flesh out of the way? The things that I want to hear, the things that are twisted and broken and disordered, get those out of the way so I can hear you more clearly. Three, come to the conversation committed to submission and obedience. I wish you hadn't said that. Come to the conversation like already ready to say, okay, whatever you say, I'm in. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's hard because you don't know what he's going to say. Right? It's much easier to like hear what he has to say and then be like, oh yeah, I'll do that, right? But beforehand, it's like giving God a blank check. Like, I don't know what you're gonna say. I don't know what you're gonna ask of me. Um, I don't know. It's kind of scary, but I think it's good advice. Be ready to be submissive and obedient. Four, don't try to manufacture anything. Don't try to like make it happen. Number five, don't try and add or expound. If God speaks, don't be like, and, and, try to color it in, change it, warp it to make it fit what you want. Number six, after hearing, um, lay that before the Lord and ask, so what now from your perspective? Okay, you spoke. What do I do now? Not, not what do I want to do now in response? What would you have me do in response to this? Number seven, if you have a propensity to wait, be willing to move and vice versa. Like my dad always says there's two kinds of people. There are people who are ready, fire, aim, and people who are ready, aim, 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 right? If you're a person who just wants to aim a lot and you never want to fire, you never want to actually act, just be, be ready to act. And if you're someone who's like, oh, I'm going to act before I think, maybe be ready to wait a little bit, right? Know your propensity. Ask if this is, is this just for me or is this for someone else? Or is this for our community? Number nine, ask, is this for now or for later? And number 10, am I supposed to do anything other than pray? It's good advice. We got some great elders, man. Got some great elders. And, and here's, here's what I wanna, wanna close with. Um, Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14, God says this, uh, he's talking to his people who are in captivity and he's talking about how he's going to lead them out of captivity. It says, then basically after their hearts change, verse 12, then you will call upon me and I will come. Uh, you will call upon me and pray to me and I will hear you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes from a pastor is, this, God loves to play hide and go seek with the aim of losing. God loves to make it a little bit difficult to hear, to recognize, because there's something about the beauty of when we seek him with all of our heart. But the thing is he doesn't hide because he doesn't want you to find him. He wants you to find him. He can't wait. He cannot, he's like, I'm hide, but warmer, colder, warmer, warmer, warmer. You know, I'm over here. Psst, psst. He wants you to find him. My sheep know my voice, they hear it. The God of the universe is speaking still. And he wants to speak to you. And he wants you to hear him. And he's made a way for you to hear him personally. 
I mean, that, it blows me away. So let's just take a moment, let's do that. We're gonna listen to God. I'm gonna go ahead and bring this down. If you guys wanna come up and be my jukebox, be awesome. I just wanna carry a Josh around in my pocket, you know, with a little keyboard. Just play my, you know, my little, my life playlist. Here's what we're gonna do. Uh, the way that God has created the human brain is brilliant. I love it. It fascinates me. I love learning about the human brain. But we got these two sides of our brain. We got the left side, which is very logical. We think about things. We do numbers and math and stuff over here. But over here on our right side, this is our relational side of our brain. And our relational side of our brain kind of has an on-off switch. I'll call them our relational circuits. And so our relational circuits, for a number of reasons, can just be off. We can be overwhelmed. We can be overloaded. We can just be in task mode. But, but when our relational circuits are off, we don't connect with other people and we don't connect with God. And I'm sure you can imagine a number of scenarios in your life where you know your relational circuits are off. Uh, I told my wife uh, when we uh, first, right before we got married, I said, hey, just so you know, when the TV's on, I can't pay attention to you. I want you to know you're more important than the TV if you want to talk to me while I'm watching the television, feel free to pause it, to turn it off, to stand in front of it. That's totally fine. But if I'm watching and you just start talking, I'm not going to hear you, right? And what I didn't know then is that my relational circuits are off when the television is on. Same thing when I'm in task mode, right? I'm in task mode and someone wants to come have a conversation with me. I can't do it. My relational circuits are off. So what we, we need to do is when we're in moments where relational circuits are off, we need to learn how to turn them on. And one of the best ways is to practice the, the spiritual gift, not in terms of the list of spiritual gifts, but the gift that God has given us by His Spirit of gratitude. Now, gratitude is really quick. Gratitude is not saying thank you. Gratitude is a thing that you experience when there's like, a gift that you've wanted for a really long time and you didn't think you were going to get it and then all of a sudden you open it and you're like oh, and you look at the person that just thoughtfully gave that thing to you that you didn't think you were going to get and you're like oh, and that, that thing that's inside of you at that moment that's gratitude and then when you experience gratitude then you say thank you right and it's not like you have to say it it's like you can't help but say it that's gratitude and what's brilliant about the way that God created our brains is we can experience gratitude in that moment, but we can re-experience gratitude later that ex from that same experience by remembering it. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a moment and we're gonna experience some gratitude. We're gonna connect it to God, allow Him to open the circuits, and then we're just gonna ask Him to speak, okay? So here's what I want you to do. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. Close your eyes. And it may be helpful just to put your hands in your lap with your palms up open, just in a body position of openness. And I want you to just take a long, slow, deep breath in through your nose and then out through your mouth. Take another long, slow, deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. As you breathe in this next time, just imagine God breathing the breath of life, His very own life into your body. 
just like he did with the first human, just breathing his life-giving presence in. Just imagine him breathing that into you. breathe out, just allow your shoulders to sink and your body to just be held completely by the weight of the chair. I just want you to ask in your mind, just ask God, God, would you bring to mind a memory where I experienced gratitude? Maybe something small, a cool breeze, could be your favorite food, could be a gift that someone gave you, could be a relationship that you have could be something that you remember God has done for you in the past, his his salvation that he gave to you. Just it could be in anything. Just God, bring a memory to mind of when I was grateful. And whenever it comes to mind, don't judge it. Just, just, Just take it. And begin in your mind to go there and begin with your your, your eyes. Remember the things that you saw in that moment. Think about the colors that you saw. Think about the shapes that you saw. Think about the people that might've been around in that moment when you experienced that, that, that gratitude stirring in your heart. Think about the sounds that you heard. Were there nature sounds going on? Were there people talking? Was there something going on in the background? What did you hear as you experienced the fullness of gratitude stirring in your heart, overwhelming you? What'd you feel in your body? Were you sitting down? Were you standing? What'd you feel with your feet, with your hands? And just really get back into that moment and begin to re-feel that gratitude. Think about that gift, that random gift, that unique gift, that powerful gift, that gift that was just for you. And then whether or not it was immediately a gift from God, we know that all good things come from God. And now I just want you to think about all of the details God had to orchestrate to give you that gift. Maybe through another person, Maybe through nature. Maybe just the truth in his word. Just think about God, the God of the universe, who has a universe to uphold, a universe to hold together. That he would think about you in that way to give you that gift, just so you would be able to experience gratitude that might now echo in such a way that it would open your brain to him. And just in your mind, as your eyes are closed, just look to God and just say, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And then just ask, God, is there anything you'd like to say to me right now? We can't control our relationship with God. Sometimes God speaks and sometimes he doesn't. It's always out of love. Sometimes he gently wants us to just wait in silence with him. But maybe there's something he has for you right now. Maybe ask God, what is, what is it that my soul most needs to hear from you right now, God? 
What are the words my soul is most longing to hear from you right now? And maybe just imagine by faith, God speaking those words over you. Maybe it's what he said to Jesus when he came up out of the waters of baptism. You are my beloved son. Maybe it's you are my beloved daughter. I adopted you, I chose you, and I am well pleased in you. God, is there anything you'd like to say to us right now? We ask that you would speak. Your servants are listening. Your children are listening. Speak. respond by singing God's praise. If you just want to sit in that, you can feel free to sit in that. But whatever came to your mind, whatever that experience was like, I encourage you afterwards to share it with someone and begin to process in community. Was that the voice of God? And if it was, what what do I do with that? And maybe it's just a gift that you just sit with, a kindness, a generosity from God. God, thank you that you are speaking. Help us to learn how to hear the timbre of your voice, recognize it, and embrace it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for speaking. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.